what do you get when you mix flashlights, baseball cards, and the sound of breaking glass? You have a reason to watch movies after work. Hi, <laughs> I'm Alex Duez. This is Thomas Green. And uh, we're going to be discussing Little Monsters today. Um, Little Monsters is a movie we picked out last week um, after recording. And uh, Tom threw down a list of about five movies in front about of me. About four or five movies, yeah. And uh, as soon as I saw Little Monsters, I had to choose that. I don't think the paper had finished <laughs> hitting the table <laughs> when you just went, up. Oh, Little Monsters. So Little Monsters. So Little Monsters was a movie that I watched like countless times when I was younger. Um, but you had never seen before. I about to say, and I watched it for the first time last night. Gotcha. So one of the reasons we picked this movie is it's available on Hulu. So obviously if you want to watch it and come back, um, I think it's a great film. Tom probably says, don't subject yourself to it. Um, we will have our thoughts, <laughs> but first we're going to talk about trailers. Um, so I think we should save what uh, we think is the biggest film. Uh, yeah. We'll do the biggest for, last. for the last, um, the first one I want to talk about, which is the one that I literally just saw at your request, was uh, My Spy. And I was actually really surprised at how how fun it looks. It, I mean, it looks like fun. I mean, it doesn't look like it's a, a, you know a masterpiece <clears throat> of, of cinema. But like I was saying, it, it's like a nice combination of movies like The Game Plan, um, The Pacifier, the yeah. Kindergarten Cop, movies like that. <clears throat> Mixing that with movies like St. Vincent and Ashby. It's like a weird combination of the two of those, which, like we had mentioned, I don't know why nobody had ever thought to do that before. Yeah. Well, when I started watching it, I immediately got sort of feelings of um, the the other guys with Will Ferrell. I mean, this this movie looks like it's trying far more to be a comedy than it is to be like a feel-good movie, the yeah. way that The Pacifier would be. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I was getting feelings of, like, Get Smart, and then I had to pause the trailer because I turned to you and I was like, holy shit, it's the director of Get Smart. Because yeah. that's exactly what I was feeling, more so than The Pacifier or Kindergarten Cop. I was getting the well, Get Smart sort the, of vibes. The big thing with a movie like The Pacifier is that the action, quite frankly with The Pacifier, the action in... All of the Spy Kids movies, and I'm including the fourth one. That mm -hmm. yes, there is a fourth one. That's how well it's known. <laughs> um, even the action in that movie seemed more action packed <clears throat> than what was in the Pacifier. But yeah. you know, this the little bit of action they show. It seems like legitimate action. It seems like you know, yeah. it's obviously not going to be intense action, but it looks like legitimate well shot well made action sequences yeah one, one thing that this film is really going to prove is we haven't seen dave batista in a starring role yet i mean no that's true Guardians, we haven't really seen him lead a movie yeah he hasn't carried a movie yet. we're gonna we're gonna see very quickly is he gonna be the rock is he gonna be charismatic you know one of these guys who's gonna show mm -hmm. up in every film now um or is he gonna be like Army Hammer, who they want to cast as a leading man, but works far better as a side character. Army Hammer is very much like Brad Pitt. He is a character actor stuck inside a leading man's body. Mm -hmm. That's that's what he's he too is. attractive for his own good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, and the thing for me, like, because every single time I I watch um, 
Dave Barista because I can't not say that, so I apologize. But every single time I watch him, my immediate thought is always, man, Blade Runner 2049, it just started off by saying, look at this interesting character giving a phenomenal performance. Mm. Let's get rid of that. That's too much character and interesting. <laughs> well, I, I would have watched that whole movie and actually enjoyed it if he had been in it. Yeah, I never got around to, to watching that. I watched it, and yeah, that's a whole discussion for a different day. Gotcha. Maybe um, I should tap out after Dave Bautista. So after five minutes. Okay. I can <laughs> um, spare five minutes. <laughs> you can watch a five-minute movie. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, that, that trailer looks interesting. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a movie I would be more excited for if my kid was, say, 10 years older. Yeah. Um, but it definitely looks fun. It's something that, I, you know, I'll certainly see when it eventually comes on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime. Agreed. Um, if there's... Is there any other trailers that you saw? Um, there was that... Uh, the new Jim Jarmusch movie. Mm. Um, yeah. The Dead Don't Die, I think, is the name. I might have the title wrong. Mm-hmm. Which really should be, you know, the dead don't die, and then in parentheses, we swear this isn't a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> because between the cast, the dialogue, it... like, the fa- basically the fact that the only thing that tells you it's not a Wes Anderson film is, the f- is that it takes place at night. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no pastel colors. That's it. it. Everything well, else about that trailer screams Wes Anderson. Well, everything about that trailer to me screamed, this is the trailer that we put in the Grindhouse double feature with the Robert Rodriguez film and the... Um, oh, the Plantero Death Proof thing. Yeah. Um, it, it looks... I mean, they're selling this movie 100% on the cast. Even in the trailer, they yep. say, the best zombie cast ever assembled. Yep. I mean, if you, if you are not selling your movie purely based on the names, you wouldn't drop a line like that in the trailer. Yeah. Um, no, the with one, the names they have, there's every reason It's a solid to. cast. Yeah. Um, I, the, the big thing for me <laughs> is just watching, it was like, this movie, this movie at this point after that trailer has to be even funnier than the trailer, which is a funny trailer, mm-hmm. but it's just like, if the, if all the good comedy was just in this trailer, yeah. this movie is going to be terrible because you're going to be ahead of it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, well, this the... is, to me, this is a, go to see it after I see what, not critic, but like, People, general audience, general audience yeah. see what the general audience intake for the film is. Well, there's um, his last movie was Patterson, which I never got around to seeing, but everyone praised it because it was it was a film where not a lot happened and it was the story of a ordinary man. It was Adam Driver, as I think Adam Driver is a bus driver, a bus driver, yeah, yeah. and just going through his day to day. Did you ever get around to seeing I, that? I never saw that one, although. I need to rewatch the trailer, but I remember watching the trailer and going, "Is this Coen Brothers?" Like Jim yeah. Jarmusch seems yeah. to be making a career right now of taking. <laughs> Did Coen Brothers do Lucky, Lucky Logan? No, no, that was uh, Steven Soderbergh. Okay, um, that's right. The the actually the Coen Brother movie that I immediately thought of with Patterson was Inside Lewin Davis. Okay. Um, Jim Jarmusch seems to be having this weird career kick right now of making movies in the style of directors whose names you recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if it's working for him, good. Um, it's just weird. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, definitely it's got a stellar cast. Uh, it did have some funny jokes in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I, um, it's not something that I need to uh, need to immediately run out, but I could definitely see it. You know, if it's well written, well acted, well directed, uh, you know, it could very well have a cult following similar to Shaun of the Dead. I mean, I'm not <laughs> sure I can say no to Tilda Swinton with a samurai sword. Honestly, yeah, well, absolutely. I, I think that part. Rock I feel like her, uh, that Scottish was accent. yeah. That to me was the selling point. Like. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see what people say about it, but I'm de- I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah. Um, so the last trailer that we have to talk about is Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, and um, what is the director's name? He directed the Hangover trilogy. Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Um, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Watching the trailer, I I sat there and I was just like, "What is the thing that you're giving me?" Mm-hmm. To make me feel like I'm watching something different, watching something new yeah. and fresh, given the 50 million jokers that we have at this point, what are you giving me different this time? And the answer was nothing. Yeah. I, I'm i kind of conflicted about this because I saw the trailer... And it is a very well-produced trailer. The trailer they, is a good trailer. They are trying their damnedest to get an Oscar. Oh like my you god, said yes. To me. Um, they, the trailer was interesting. Walking Phoenix is, he's a, he's a, he's a actor who gives it his all in yeah. seemingly every role. Yeah. And he does, shortly after I watched the trailer, I watched Jeremy John's, re, you know, kind of reaction of the trailer. Mm-hmm. And he kind of did a deep dive of, look how Walking Phoenix posture change when he is walking through um, the city. Initially, he's very hunched over. He's kind of got a limp. When he assumes the Joker persona, he's got a swagger and he's standing tall. He's you know, um, and it's going to be the progression of his character that'll be interesting in the film. The least interesting part of this film though in my opinion is that it's a joker film if it was if it was about a man being beaten down by society and turning to a life of crime and becoming you know sort of a maniac or a psychotic then that would be more interesting than assuming the title of joker but the thing is that we already have that movie to a certain capacity and falling down starring michael douglas Mm -hmm. and that's that's something that a lot of people are noticing is that because they're giving us the broad strokes of um, of the the Red Hood origin yeah. for the Joker. As a result, we're we're getting essentially what looks more like a remake of Falling Down than a Joker movie. Yeah. Well, what I also am. I'm not excited by the prospect of a Joker film that doesn't have Batman in it. And I think either it's going to have Batman in some small capacity, or we saw a young Bruce Wayne where Joker, walking Phoenix, puts his fingers into the child's mouth to force him to... Yeah, a lot of people are assuming that that's Bruce Wayne. And that, to me, is... I don't understand the fucking fascination of having these shows and these movies like Gotham... Mm-hmm. Where we establish a 
entire cast of villains with a Bruce Wayne who is ten years old. That that ages, yeah. that ages his vill- ages his villains up to an impossible degree. Well, he basically just becomes, and it was something that I noted that I feel like they've slightly dodged the bullet on to a certain extent. But with this movie, if that little kid is Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne yeah. that he's that he's forcing the smile on, then in this future, when Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. When he goes, where's the Joker? The nurse is gonna say he's in his room eating Jello, <laughs> um, and that's and that's part of the problem is it's turning. Honestly, my my immediate response to this trailer was it's falling down meets Maleficent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we're taking it's that concept of let's take a villain everyone loves, and then make a movie. That humanizes them for no reason. Yeah, for it's, no reason. It, let's let's humanize this care this 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 villain and make them less villainous. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's the the Rob Zombie Halloween remake effect, and it's also you know like I was saying. So about, I'm gonna fall asleep. <laughs> it's like I was saying about Gotham. Your your only chance now to have. To have your cake and eat it too, for that young kid to be Bruce Wayne, is to say, oh, but now there's going to be a second Joker who was inspired by this Joker. It's the same thing in, in Gotham when they, well, you know, cr- created the the character who they were leading t- for seasons and seasons to be the Joker. And it's like, oh, it's his twin. It's, it, it, it's, it's that thing of... <laughs> someone else has to you do so much with this character already that you can't possibly now introduce his you know his antagonist to him side note though big props to to gotham in the fact that they spent two three seasons maybe even four telling people no no this character he's not the joker we promise he's not the joker we promise he's not the joker (laughs) and then they revealed that it was his twin Congratulations to you guys for having a following so like fuck it we're already this far <laughs> that they it's didn't the do the that, that they didn't do the appropriate reaction which was turn off the TV mm-hmm. and make sure that the creators could never get another series. <laughs> yeah. Cuz that's the like I almost prefer the JJ Abrams this isn't con. This isn't con. Mm-hmm. Weren't you guys shocked when it was con? Yeah. I almost prefer that over the. It's to me that it's it's his twin. It's right up there with, and then your mom died. So I want to go back to fucking your aunt Robin on How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> it's right up there with that. Yeah. And wow, you're kind of an ass that thinks you're too smart. Yeah. Well, I mean. Batman, a similar, you know, a Batman property did a similar thing just a couple years ago when Rocksteady released Arkham Knight and everyone said, oh, the Arkham Knight is Jason Todd. Like, he's just Red Hood, but with more armor and more shit. And everyone was like, Rocksteady's like, no, no, it's it's not Jason Todd. To to their credit, they tweaked it. They did. They tweaked tweaked their denial. They no, they tweaked their denial. Mm. After their like initial outburst of it's not Jason Todd, I forget exactly how, but they inevitably did reword it because it was Jason Todd, but it was not the origin story that you knew. Mm. Um, 
at least not 100%. And for for that I I like I appreciate that they real that they did as much of a damage control on that as possible. Yeah. But with this movie, I the other thing with this movie is they're, they keep being like, oh, it's a one-off character piece. Okay, well, then where does it end? Yeah. It just ends with, okay, this guy you followed the whole movie is the Joker, which is exactly... And that's the thing, is that you're basically watching this movie just for the beats of, you know, the moment he puts on the... the ma- You know, yeah. the moment he does this. The moment he... D- in his transformation into the Joker, you know, is Zaza Beats going to be his Harley Quinn? Yeah. Is so-and-so going to be... Like, all this kind of stuff... And you're just waiting for those beats. Yeah. The character study is completely pointless. If they had literally made this movie, kept the fact that he was the Joker a secret. Yeah. And people realized during the movie and were like, holy shit. Yeah. It might be great. But because of how they've done it, it's going to, people are going to go, I don't care that I've just spent 45 minutes with him never putting on an ounce of clown makeup. And being all sh- squeamish. Yeah. I've spent 45 minutes of my two-hour movie doing this. I don't care. Let's move on. Yeah. It's, you know, it's... I... Overall, I'm, I'm excited to see the film. It's not, it's not a film I'll run out to theaters to see. But it is the first DC film in a while that I'm, you know, actually intend to see that I have an interest in. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's this systemic problem with the DCEU. Because well, it's this not the film, DCEU anymore. Exactly, this film is not in the DCEU. But so that's the thing is they've they've immediately they they've since said like, no, no, some some reporter coined that. That's never been our intent. Like <clears throat> they like bailed out on it completely to the point where now literally Ezra Miller is going, okay, fuck it. If I write the Flash script, will you guys finally make this damn movie? Well, they dropped Ezra or Ezra Miller's out. He doesn't want to Is be that recent? Him. Yes. Like that's, that's as within of... the last couple of days. Oh, he's, I haven't seen that. He's stepped down as the Flash, or at least that's what varieties or or someone has reported. Mm. Um, it's but it's this problem, and it's the it's why people enjoy Marvel movies as opposed to Z, to DC EU films. Mm-hmm. It's Captain Marvel was not a movie I was excited to see necessarily when I saw promotional material, mm-hmm. but it's something that I'm in the boat for because this lead this is. A, part of a bigger story yeah it's going to lead to something Mm -hmm. i don't give a shit to see unless you are in love with ben affleck's portrayal of batman and you have to see every movie that he's featured in in some way there's no fucking reason for you to see suicide Batman anymore so oh yeah but there's no reason to see suicide squad because it's not part of a bigger story jai courtney Which, no, of course, Jack, he wants to come that, back as Boomerang because he's not fucking doing anything. He's not doing it, but here's the thing. He was the best fucking performance in that. He really In was. the first movie. He and that really should that is your red flag right there. <laughs> but, yeah. No, for me, the Joker movie, um, I may or may not watch it. I'm in no rush. I, I, I have no real drive to go see it. Yeah. Um, especially when it's... I mean, it's DC continuing their belief that Christopher Nolan changed the face of superhero films. Yeah. And guys, he didn't do fucking shit. (laughs) Except for make people go, oh, we should embrace the camp because inevitably we will be campy, but we'll just be shitty plot holes with pretentious (laughs) asshole characters. Chris Nolan cannot write characters for his fucking life. 
embrace that fact, people. You will sleep better at night. <laughs> but yes, this looks like shitty Oscar bait. Yeah. Quality stuff. Yeah. And I have no patience for it. I mean, the only thing... It makes me approach the suicide remake reboot whatever it's going to be with reboot. trepidation because i you know as much as i trust james gunn how much can he do with this property how much can he how much is he going to be allowed to do we all know it's in post that dc unzips and and does their work yeah yeah um so that was really the only trailers to speak of for this week yeah um, with all that being said, I think we can move on to what is one of my favorite films from my childhood, and that is Little Monsters. You need a new childhood. <laughs> so, when I started watching Little Monsters, um, I immediately went into my notes on my phone and typed uh, NOSTALGIA in all caps, because nostalgia is a fucking powerful drug, dude. Like, mm -hmm. this movie's not good. It's no. not good. It's not good. Oh, thank I can, God. Oh, thank God. I can accept that fact. But will I watch it more than one more time in my life? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, you're going to sit your kid down uh, in yeah, front of this movie he, yes, and make him watch it. Absolutely. And I'm probably going to scar him if he's just that much too young. I will not be making my daughter watch this movie. <laughs> because I love her. So, um, one of the things that I was thinking while watching it. Part of the reason I think I had such a fondness for this film when i was younger was it was like the creepiest scariest kind of coolest movie that you were allowed to watch at your grandma's house like it was rated pg but it says shit like three times well that was that era. it says ass it says piss it like was, five times it was 89 so mm. i can't remember where we were with the rating system in, in 89 mm -hmm. but I, the pg-13 might not have been created it's but it was one of those films that there it is creepy it is funny it, it it does have me and my my brother and sister we will quote this movie <laughs> like back and forth to each other my brother texted me last night at around one in the morning while i was uh watching this movie and he said something like hey have you seen this documentary on uh on netflix and i said no i'm watching little monsters and he immediately texted me back how about a light bud <laughs> Like, this film has so many classic lines in it. Makes for you guys. <laughs> for you guys, it does. Specifically for us. It took me It took me a minute to remember where that line you just said came from in the movie. <laughs> I remember it now. Yeah. Oh, trust me. Every time my brother says it, it takes me a really long time <laughs> to remember when it happens in the film. There, for me, one of the first things I really noticed in this movie is how miserable this family is. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, for, I mean, first of all, Daniel Stern, the father, clearly hates the eldest son. The youngest, <laughs> the youngest, like, you know, when that father dies, when his friend's bachelor party goes wrong. Yes, I'm linking this with very bad things. I'm making them a shared universe. <laughs> it's how I keep this interesting. But, <clears throat> you know, when that father dies, oldest son you know that one year, he's getting nothing. Wonder Years is sitting there getting shit yeah. in the will, and Boy Meets World, Boy Meets World is getting everything, uh, and he's going to run off with Mister Feeney with the family fortune. That's this, what's happening. Are the Savage Brothers half brothers, or are they full brothers? I'm pretty sure they're full brothers because they look fucking nothing alike. 
That's why they're always able to be, like, I mean, obviously in this film, they're mm-hmm. brothers. But, like, in Boy Meets World, Ben Savage shows up as a as a as professor. As the creepy to, professor to, to who's trying on, to, uh, to Topanga. Topanga, yeah. Topanga, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yes, this, to back up a little bit, Little Monsters is a film about Howie Mandel uh, playing Maurice, the monster, who is, at first, um, th- you know, while I was watching this film, I thought, wow, Little Monsters is primed for a remake. And then I said, oh, they already did it. And it's called Monsters, Inc. And it's a much better film. Well, and here's <laughs> the funny thing you say that because I was going to mention that. If you go on the, um, I went on IMDb trivia, Little Monsters actually was inspiration for Monsters, I'm Inc. I'm not surprised by that at all. Which is the is second place for shit-saving Pixar right up there with Howard the Duck being the reason that Pixar was even created. Um <laughs> I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. It's a whole story. But basically, it was essentially George Lucas put way too much faith in Howard the Duck, had to sell part of ILM, and that Mm. part of ILM that he sold became Pixar. Gotcha, gotcha. Broad stroke story with probably chunks of it wrong or missing. (laughs) But essentially, you have Toy Story because of duck tits. That's... I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, we can Um, live with that. Um, (laughs) So, Maurice, it's not like Monsters, Inc., where they are assigned a child, necessarily, well, they are. The, Maurice is, I guess he he is he has assigned his uh, the the younger brother whose name is Eric. We see at one point they're they're given like a stack of that's right of of houses right. to go to. Like they're given a, a like a small stack, mm-hmm. and then they they have to go out and do those. So Eric is sure there's a monster in you know in his room. Um, he decides to trade brother trade uh trade rooms with his brother for one night. And then, um, what is the older brother's name in the film? I don't know. I'm just calling him Wonder Years. Um, Brian. Which, also fun part of trivia is the fact that Fred Savage was in the Wonder Years where his older self was voiced by Daniel Stern, who plays his father in this oh, movie. Oh, wow. So, that's this movie is its own version of Six Degrees of Separation. <laughs> um, it's its own lazy-ass version of that. Um, so, dude... We're introduced to Brian. He's the older brother. He, him and his parents have moved to a new town. He hates it there. Um, and there's no reason for them to have Literally, literally no. there's no reason for them to have moved. Except for just making it so he doesn't have any friends. But I'm... He didn't have any friends where he was before. I mean, everything... It's they, a guarantee. Everything they do in this film is... Every piece of dr- drama added to this film is to explain... Oh well, this character should be here at this moment. Like the the parents announcing their separation at eight o'clock at night. Well, the, here's the, here's okay. So the other thing to point out is right before the family the family moved for the dad's job. Yes, but he is a two hour drive one way from his job. <laughs> so you have to wonder like. How long was his fucking commute? Yeah, before the move, like it literally. I feel like no, the conversation. I feel like the conversation was, "Honey, you know, we live in Ohio and I work in Massachusetts. There's got to be a better way." <laughs> I think that was what led them to decide to move, and no, they they he's... decide to move into a house that's it's it's a fixer upper uh, to say the least. Okay, the house is is in just about as good of condition as 
the house Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher move into in the money pit. <laughs> it's in about the exact same condition as everything. Yeah. There literally nothing is is right about this house. And some of the rooms, for some reason, look like additions, mm-hmm. like shittily put on additions, even though there's no suggestion of that from the exterior of the house. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say the house is in great, just as good a condition as the parents' relationship in this film. No, no, the house, the, the house is in better condition <laughs> than the relationship. Literally, all these parents, do, like, these parents wait until these kids go to bed and by go to bed i mean are laying in their beds with the lights off yeah they don't care if they're they're asleep asleep. (laughs) and they immediately go into their room and start having the same argument (laughs) every single night well when mom is refurbishing the whole home and the dad is watching basketball games pissed off that he doesn't have the remote control that's 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 something that's wrong there well and the other thing and you could tell the fact that this movie was written by guys. Mm-hmm. Um, coincidentally, the same two guys who wrote uh, the original Aladdin and the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. Um, so the writing improved. Some, yes, their <laughs> writing got so much better. Um, but basically, one of the biggest complaints that we discover at one point from the mother is she's not getting enough sex. She wants to fuck. <laughs> But he's always with the I have a headache, and you're just, I'm like I'm saying there I'm saying they're listening to this going, oh my god, like you can tell this is written by a guy because like clearly like mask like guys with like a misogynistic view of things because for me I'm just sitting there like okay literally I don't buy this for a second if he walks into the bedroom and she's naked. It's a done deal. Yeah, absolutely. like I don't like I don't buy this for a second. Um, I, but uh, the house is just so full of everyone hating each other. Yes. Um, well, it's it's a uh, nineteen eighty nine, so it's also filled with uh, fucking pleated pants everywhere. Oh, there's so much. I, I just I just wrote in all caps. Everyone is wearing pleated pants. Every like. <laughs> Literally, everyone is wearing pants that were hemmed and patched up by a grandmother who's not there. <laughs> and that's the other thing in my share in my shared universe version of all of this. Mm-hmm. The Wonder Years is upset because since they moved, his grandfather Columbo can no longer come over to read Princess Bride to him. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Literally, this was how I entertained myself through this movie because if you like. Okay, you don't need to know the plot of this movie. No. Because, first of all, the plot doesn't start until about a half an hour before the movie's over. <laughs> um, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, no. Once the movie, once they finally started a plot, I hit pause so I could see the time. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, we're just once, finally getting once around Once you to understand it. what the monster's intentions are of bringing a kid down there and why they have to keep him down there and why they had to take Eric, the little brother, you, you, we are at the climax of the film <laughs> basically for the if you want to know what this movie is it is take monsters inc remove mm-hmm. all the structure of the like internal universe that made it really clever and creative yeah and then grab a comedian who like grab in this day and age sorry howie but i would say kevin james slap prosthetics on him and yeah. say 
do your most hammed up Beetlejuice impression. Go. <laughs> because that's literally how Mendel's even trying to do yeah. a Beetlejuice voice in this movie. Like, it is, he is trying, It, it clearly uh, the studio said, we want our own Beetlejuice. Yeah. Somebody write it for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the funniest part of this film to me is when characters are introduced. Because you know the character. If one thing these writers got got right, it was when characters are introduced. You know every fucking thing about them when they're introduced with, to the bully on the bus, and the bus driver has the best line in this film. Oh my god! Says, I meant to write down her name because she had a one word name. Get back in your seat, or I'll destroy every one of you. <laughs> if we can have a movie just focused on her. I'm, I'll take she that. She should have been the star of she Patterson. <laughs> the angriest bus driver in the world. Literally, that, that poster, instead of it, him laying there in the bed, it would have been her laying on her back in the bed, staring up angrily at the camera. That would have been great. But we get introduced to the bully, who is... He, he is nothing but a bully in this film. Until he shows up in the last ten minutes, he he just to help like save the day. Maurice goes to pick him up, but we don't see them communicate at all. So he we, just shows no. up, and he's totally willing to like die for the cause. Yeah, he's got sunglasses um, on. He these kids who he's hated through this entire film, who have fucking pissed in his apple juice. Yes, <laughs> to his credit, he doesn't he doesn't know that. Them, but, obviously, but also like. Side note for me is about halfway through the movie, I double checked and discovered that the bully is um, the same actor who plays Tinfoil Kevin on the new Amazon show, The Tick. Oh. Which, second season is out. Watch it. It's brilliant. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Please, watch that, not this. Um, if no, you're going you to watch something... You absolutely should watch this. Fuck this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. If you got anyway. a kid and you don't mind fucking scaring the shit out of him, then you absolutely watch this. <laughs> so, at one point in the movie... Um, Maurice and Wonder Years go to the girl he has a crush on. Well, they on. go into her. They go into her room. We need to talk about her introduction because she's I don't remember it. No, she's introduced as she's the brainy one. She's conducting a science experiment to see how this plant grows in artificial light, but she's taking snapshots yeah, the and throwing it into a fucking box, and then Brian goes. Hey, you should arrange these. Brian's a fucking genius. The Ru- the Rube Goldberg machine that he makes to capture Maurice so that he can't go back to the monster world or whatever. The fact that he arranges her pictures and goes, Hey, you should actually document what the fuck is happening and not just throw it into a box is one of the funniest things well, to me in this maybe film. Maybe if any of, the, any of these kids didn't have parents that were trying to get divorced... <laughs> Um, they would have all been better off. And they're all sleeping um, together. All of the parents, I'm assuming, because all we ever see any parent in this movie do is yell at their kids, yeah. which is such a great message to send in a kid's movie. <laughs> Your parents are just here to yell at you, berate you, and then leave you. Um... <laughs> So sorry when when they so sneak, they, when a, when an eleven or twelve year old boy sneaks into the there's like, house yeah, of a girl there, that he likes there's a twelve thirteen year old twelve or thirteen year old boy sneaks into the bedroom of a girl he likes with a monster who going with the age of Howie Mandel at the time of this movie is in his twenties yeah um and they're just like standing over her whispering to each other <laughs> and I'm sitting there. 
I was more uncomfortable during that scene mm-hmm. than I was during all of Hereditary. <laughs> and, I was so uncomfortable. And that's not the only time they do that. They do that at least two they or do three it. other times. They the love film. talking. They love like getting like right <laughs> up into someone's face. Just like, <laughs> just like getting right in their face and being like, Right, so what are we doing today? Literally, like some like I, I was waiting for them at one point to just be standing like nose almost touching a kid and going, <laughs> So what do you want to get for food after we do this? Do you want to get drive through? Do you I was waiting for that because they literally were just so intensely nonchalant. It was really it really it's the most uncomfortable scene in the movie. Yeah. And that's saying a lot. Um because again, like it literally at one point, I wrote Howie is assaulting me with his performance. Oh, uh, my notes say Howie Mandel is a national treasure. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Thomas just walked out, so um, uh, I'll continue this by myself. <laughs> um, yes, and the that that's the, our, the the other big moment in this movie that I wanted to talk about, and it it killed me. Because even as a child of divorce, I thought this was cruel and unusual. So ridiculous. The parents literally wake the kids up. Pull the kids out of bed. To tell them, and you know it, the minute the dad comes up to wake mm-hmm. up Wonder Years. and he's, he's the only time he's nice to him in the entire only, film. Only time, no, 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 there's also the time where he's tickling him, asking him for an autograph from the monster. Yeah, it's inappropriate. Yeah, <laughs> improvised. Improvised oh. tickling. Uh, that's so, always the best guy. Yeah, it made it even more uncomfortable. Um, but, the, yeah, it's literally wake up, we're getting a divorce. But we're not getting a divorce. Daddy's just going to live somewhere else for a while. But it's not your fault. But we are not going to be together anymore. Jesus Christ, kids. Get it through your head. We're not living together anymore. Are you okay? <laughs> literally, this dad can't help but yell at his kids. Yeah. The, yeah. The, he has no... Like, literally... He's... Like, they're assuring... Mini Savage... That it's not the kid's fault. And I'm saying they're going, it's the kid's fault. Yeah, it's the kid's fault. <laughs> this guy clearly did not want to have kids. kids. <laughs> and I don't know how he had kids because apparently they're not having any sex. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how they had kids to begin with. But he clearly didn't want kids. So, yeah, sorry, kids, it's your fault. <laughs> it's on you guys. You did it. You broke up your parents. You see, those those scenes... I don't even fucking remember remember them when I when I was a kid. I'm just like this scene is giving me too much. I yeah. just block it out. And th- that scene again, it's drama simply added to explain where Eric might be in the middle of the night. They mm-hmm. think he ran away because they broke the news to him. Yeah, which explains why they had to do it at night. But why the fuck would you ever do it at night? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it's great because then um, Wonder Years goes back to his room. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Maurice is a completely different character. Yeah. Like, he's had a drastic 180. When he where says, suddenly he's I heard like, everything, I'm just like, fuck you. Yep. Fuck it's you. It's like, fine, you heard everything. But you're suddenly trying to give some sort of, like, really sweet, like, pep talk. And it's just like, no. Yeah. No, fuck no. That's not what you... No, that's not your character. Uh, I, uh, well, one of my favorite scenes... Um, growing up was when 
Brian creates the machine to to lower the bed and capture Maurice, you know, on his mm-hmm. side. Love that scene. And then when the dad comes in and is like, what am I stepping on? Doritos? He doesn't question why his son is wrestling with a biker jacket that clearly is not his or the dad's. Yeah, that never existed in the house no. before. <laughs> but... But he's never home, so he doesn't know where his kids are. Yeah, exactly. How does he even know those are his kids? He might have gone into the wrong house. <laughs> so <laughs> he pulled a '90s Robert Downey Jr. That's <laughs> um, when the sun starts to rise, and Brian spells it out for the audience. It's the sunlight. First, it disfigures you, then it kills you. And Marie says. You're confusing me with the pansy and the red cape. Clearly talking about vampires. As if he's confusing the two. But they follow the same fucking rules. Well, and that's... It's like, it disfigures you. Yeah, this one time. We only had it in the budget for this one time. I mean, he looks infinitely better with horns. He does. So. <laughs> he does. He's, he's a weird, like, you need to go to the doctor now testicle without the horns. I mean, there's... <laughs> There's no two monsters that look the same in this entire fucking movie. Other than Maurice and Boy, who kind of look the same because they're blue, that's it. Everything else looks like it was created by a different costume designer. And there's there's no sort of aesthetic of the film. All of the other monsters honestly just look like they randomly ransacked the costume department... After they filmed scenes for Hook. (laughs) And just threw those clothes on. And then just had like makeup designers cover their hands in soot. And go around slapping people across the face. Yeah. That's what most of the like. That's like half the monsters. That's what they looked like. Yeah. Um, Um, But I mentioned Boy. And he is. I I love Boy in this film. Because he's legitimately kind of creepy. And his. Oh, he is. <laughs> he is. I don't disagree I'm, with that. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for the butt, because there's... No, he's fucking creepy. <laughs> he, he's creepy, and I'm just... I, I just sat there going, okay, I really wanted to like go into the movie and go, time, time out. Why do you matter? <laughs> do you rule this place? Well, it's... Do you set rules? Do you have special powers? You can control toy planes and have them shoot people. <laughs> I know, that's his... Uh, Congrats, but that's like or, it. Or the real leader of this whole world. I don't fucking I know. mean, oh, dude, when he's introduced... There are literally no rules. As there are the... no rules whatsoever. <laughs> like, Maurice was not kidding. There are no rules. Yeah, yeah. When, when he's introduced in the, in the last five minutes as the new villain and... That scene where it pans around at the back of his head is legitimately still creepy to me. And then when they shine the light in his face and he rips it off, and then it's some of the worst <laughs> like makeup that's, and effects. Well, that's that's that. I love the logic of that. Of oh, this light is blinding me. Quick, let me take this mask off so it can fully hit my face. <laughs> and I love it where it's just like, oh, you thought I was Frank Whaley being cra- creepy, but actually. I'm Craig from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I uh, could go on about this film. There is, there is. 
I've got, it's not a good film. No. Um, my my favorite what the fuck thing about this movie across the board though is the music. Mm. First of all, when he's setting his trap initially to catch Maurice, this is literally part of the score. <sighs> <laughs> And that's in, and I literally, I literally paused the movie and was like, is, I thought my wife was trying to get my attention. I thought she was like, I thought she was exasperated because she'd been trying to get, and then I realized like, and then I was like, well, maybe that's, maybe Wonder Years is just like, he's just really frustrated. And I was like, oh no, the composer thought this was good. Um... And then, <laughs> and then you get to the final act, like they're getting ready for that final confrontation. They're ready for it. <laughs> it literally, like they're getting ready for the final battle, but the musicians are like discovering babes in Toyland or something. Like it, they had it the, on in the other room. They just forgot. To literally, bring the I off. I wrote tension. No music says whimsy. <laughs> There's no tension in this movie because the music does not know it's... Like, I almost wonder what happens if you take the score for this film mm-hmm. and play it the other way. Or play it back or, like, switch yeah. the running order. Because yeah. I could almost see, like, they're going into this room with Frank Whaley's boy character, who's clearly not a fucking boy, but um, his boy character. And as they're walking up, that's when you hear... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> Jesus Christ they do have one of the most perfect songs ever in this film I love the sound of breaking glass as literally monsters are just smashing shit and as a kid that's all you want to do so that <laughs> that scene was great oh I, I love the whole logic of here's a pile of stuff we're gonna break it and then put it back yeah you're going to find every fucking piece? Like, <laughs> do you <laughs> have that kind of free time? Um, so, I mean, at the, and at the end of the movie, we do this whole, we do the whole spiel of them, like, saying their big goodbye to each other. Well, you, you After nothing. Over, we're, we're outrunning the sun, man. It's exciting. Yeah, they're outrunning the sun. <laughs> Whoopty shit. Which then just plays, because the, their whole thing is, like, if you spend a night, if you spend a whole night in... Monster, monster in yeah. Monsterland, you become a monster. Yeah, unless it doesn't fit the plot, because <laughs> yes. the younger brother gets kidnapped during the night, mm-hmm. and then it's the next morning when Wonder Years is woken up to say to be told that his brother is gone. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I'm thinking, well, the brother's a monster. Maybe it's oh, some no, sort I of like. Was, I think it's the same night. No, because it's sunlight out. Like it's bright lights and all that. Oh, really? Yeah, so but he collects all the kid, all the other kids at night. I thought that's why it was the same night. It, I'm pretty either way. Either I don't know. It's cl- it's got to be during the day because he doesn't have that much. Like, there's no way he has that much. Like, it just doesn't seem like they he has that much time left. Mm-hmm. But so I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, so his brother's a monster. I swear to fucking god, if what saves kids from becoming monsters is the power of love. <laughs> I am going to hunt down 
anyone involved with this movie. I don't care who. Anyone. And I'm going to throw up on them. Um, so anyway, so, so yeah. Sorry, so yeah. they're out. They're trying to outrun the sun. So that way they don't spend a whole night there. Because. But once you get the, to that the place. Rules you can have law. about 15 minutes of dialogue with your best friend. You can have 15 minutes of dialogue. Where for some reason you suddenly can never see each other again. Mm-hmm. There's no rule. There, like, yeah, there's nothing they, established they never, as to why they can't. Nothing is ever established that they can never see each other again. But they can never see each other again. <laughs> so they have to have a big Heart goodbye. goodbye, yeah. Um, which, and that that's when one of the most terrifying things happens in the movie for me. Because Maurice removes his born-to-be-wild leather jacket mm-hmm. to reveal a denim button-down dress shirt. <laughs> Which is easily the most terrifying thing in the movie. (laughs) The most terrifying thing. Not the weird pig dude whose hair wasn't connected to his head. Not when Maurice's eyeball shot out of his eyes in like a shitty special effect. No. Denim dress shirt. Most terrifying (laughs) thing. But yeah, so they have this whole big goodbye and they end up in... The kids end up in L.A. Immediately run into the ocean in their only pair of clothes that they have. Yes. And their parents can't get to them for at least 12 hours. That's what fucking bothered me the most. Yes. So you get that. And so, and I even, like, even in my notes, I put, you're in LA in all caps. Because they're celebrating. And I'm just like, okay, you got to somehow fucking figure out how to explain why you're in LA to your parents. Yeah. Like, good luck. Like, <laughs> this story ends with you guys sitting in front of a shrink going, No, I swear, there are really monsters. <laughs> okay, up the dose. <laughs> That's the guaranteed future for them. And then, like, as the movie ends with one of its only saving graces, a Talking head song. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's going to do some weird, like, Polaroid photo montage and part of me was thinking, like, oh, so we're going to do some sort of, like, montage where they're in showing them hanging out in L.A. and reuniting with their parents. Yeah. No, it's literally three fucking pictures. Yeah, that happened during the course of the movie. That happened film. during the course of the movie, and then it's completely done. Yeah. Like, it's literally like they did those three photos, and then they ran out of the budget. Yeah. Like, those three photos, and they were like, oh, shit, um, we're out of money, just... Well, this. if Wikipedia is to be believed, this but this film had a budget of around seven million dollars, and only made something like eight hundred thousand dollars back at the box office. That much? <laughs> Trust me, if I was alive and able to go to the movie theater in nineteen eighty nine, I would I would make up a majority of that but that uh, box office for them. I would have just gone to see Beetlejuice again. <laughs> I don't know, I just see that. And the funny thing, like, and that might be why I never saw this, because my parents showed me Beetlejuice as a five-year-old, and that was what led to me saying fuck for the first time. So, <laughs> my movie collection was very limited for a few years. Um, yes, if you, um, if you have an impressionable five-year-old, never show them a movie where a guy says the word fuck and then grabs his crotch. They will reenact that oh, for absolutely. you. Um There you go. There's your fucking PSA for the day, folks. The very last thing we have to talk about this film. Okay. If you are the parents of that baby in the crib where monsters are gathered around scaring them, fuck you. 
fuck you. I know that baby was probably not in that room with the monsters for more than a couple minutes, and I know the reaction shots were probably not the monsters actually scaring the kid, but fuck you for exposing your infant to any sort of well, here's, here's <laughs> any the of that. Well, here's the thing for me is like, fine, whatever. You, like the kid's not gonna remember. Um, but stepping outside of the within the movie world. Because, again, like, kids are weird. Like, that they they could literally have been, like, showing kids, like, a single picture of the makeup of, like, Maurice. Yeah. And whatever kid laughed, they picked that kid so they weren't traumatizing it. Yeah. Um, also, it was an L.A. baby. It had seen worse. Um, <laughs> it might have done worse by that point. <laughs> um, but the thing for me is, like, okay, it's 89. It's pre-Baby Monitor's. But he's, you know, Wonder Years swings open that door and they, and like at least half of them, if not more, if not all of them, turn to close. Turn to close. Yeah. How does that not raise a few eyebrows for the parents? <laughs> Honey, did you leave your laundry in here? I thought it was your laundry. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Let's push it underneath the crib. Yeah, let's just push it underneath the crib. That just seems like the right place for it. Oh, look. It's hugging our child. <laughs> I guess we'll keep it. So, that's... Uh, <laughs> I think that's our thoughts on uh, Little Monsters. It's a big no for me on the what you recommend this. Um, it's not even as like a have some friends over and watch it. This, to me, is just a no. Oh, dude. You're so so wrong. <laughs> I definitely recommend if you have a kid and they are into monsters and creepy shit and you have an hour and 40 minutes to spare, you could absolutely show this to them so long as they're not going to be too scarred. And if you grew up with this film, you probably have some attachment to this film because there are lines that are still funny to me to this day. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, I thought Godzilla, the Matthew Broderick one was good, Okay. Kids are stupid yeah, so and wrong. Did I. Kids are stupid and wrong. That's just maybe we should watch that in 2019 with a fresh set of eyes. Oh god, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I watched it like three, four years ago. Because I, I've, why? I, um, because occasionally you need to remind yourself that your younger self was an idiot. Yeah. Also, I feel like something else was going on, but yeah. So we do know our movie for next week. Uh. Wednesday, we are going to be going to see The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Um, for the three of you that remember. Um, for Or, um, as I discovered, looking at the analytics for um, on Anchor, where we record this, our 2% of fans that live in the um, the Republic of Korea. Okay. Um, for you guys. They just like our docile tones. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um... But it is my my top anticipated film for the year. It is the one and only screening that's going to be going on for for the year. So if you're one of those people that's you know constantly complaining about wine original material, if you're somebody who likes to see something unique and different, mm-hmm. or you just want to support a filmmaker who spent twenty five years trying to make a movie, April tenth, it's a Wednesday. Go see this movie if there are still tickets where it is near and available to you. I highly, highly recommend 
going to see any movie that Terry Gilliam makes. Yeah. It just, to me, it goes without saying. Well, this will finally give me a reason, after purchasing it four or five years ago, to watch Brazil. God, you've had that movie for so fucking long. I've had it for so long. I still haven't watched it. I'm sorry. It's not healthy to own a movie for that long and not watch it. I'm just going to point that out. I have a lot of unhealthy habits. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to, I think we should pause and then dive into our, uh, what else we've been watching this week and any movie news that we want to discuss. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, we're going to take a minute to pause. You guys won't notice, but we're going to take a minute to pause. So there's not uh, much movie news this week to speak about, but we would like to talk about um, stuff we've been watching. Yeah. Other than Little Monsters. (laughs) Oh, God, yes, please. What have you been watching this week? Uh, Big things for me this week, um, you know, uh, TV show Happy came back, so please make sure you're watching and supporting that. Mm-hmm. Um, third season of Santa Clarita Diet. I watched the third season. It's fantastic. Um, second season of The Tick, as I mentioned earlier, is available on Amazon Prime. It is a fantastic comedy show. Um, and... While I haven't gotten to watch it yet, and I have to really avoid social media so I don't get any spoilers, uh, the series finale for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend aired um, aired tonight um, that we're recording this. Um, a phenomenal, phenomenal show. You can watch the first three seasons on Netflix, and I'm sure the fourth will be on there not too far off into the future. Amazing show. Brilliant writing. Um and really, really tackles the world of mental health in a way that most dramas can't do justice. So I, I can't sing enough praises for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, fantastic comedy musical series that everyone should at least give a try to. I guarantee you'll at least get some level of enjoyment out of it. Gotcha. I would definitely have to check those out. Um, something that I've been re-watching on Hulu... The newest season of Archer, um, believe it was called Danger, Danger Island, Island, came onto Hulu. Love it. And after watching Dreamland, I couldn't bring myself to just jump right in to um, Danger Island. So I'm watching Archer from the beginning again, and I'm about half towards the end of season two. Mm-hmm. And my God, that show holds up so well. It really if you, does. If you had to ask me right now. Or tell me you're only allowed to watch one one TV show over and over again for now for the end of time. Archer is going to be up there. It's, it's going to be in contention. It's, it's going to be in my top ten at least, if not my top five, for it's, shows that I could just watch over and over and over and over and it's over. It's endlessly funny. Yep. It is. It does that thing where you, you will instantly win me over, and you're going to win me over even more so if you do it well, which Archer does more often than not. When two characters are having a conversation and another two characters are having a conversation, they're cutting between the two oh, as if yep. one sentence is ending, you know, and another yep. one is beginning. That always just, it, it always plays the, for a laugh so The well. fact that they have no diminishing returns on that with that show is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I was actually telling someone today, uh, it's a show that you have to watch from the pilot. Yeah. You have to start from the pilot when you watch a series. Not 
not to keep all not to keep a track of plot lines there are some but not for that but basically to be able to keep track of running gags yeah yeah you want to watch it more from the beginning to keep track of the running gags more so than anything else yeah like the it's a <coughs> sorry it's a series that actually introduces catchphrases that you don't hate oh, yeah. that aren't like cliched bullshit like when they say phrasing it's <sighs> never used just as a throw i mean it's it's always used so fucking perfectly well and the, the other thing that's nice is and what makes phrasing better than that's what she said yeah is you see phrasing used in a bunch of different ways on that show oh absolutely. you see them using it to tease someone you see them using it in anger you see like you yeah. see it being used in so many ways which makes it hysterical um whereas it's not just consistently somebody saying it just to be funny yeah yeah no fantastic show i actually really enjoyed danger island um i think at some point this month we should be getting the final season yeah, starting up um did you see the trailer for it? I, I saw it's on there. I totally forgot. I saw it that I it was there today. I need to watch it. I don't know if that's, there's necessarily a trailer available. I haven't seen a trailer per se, but like there's been like stingers and stuff on Instagram and Facebook. There is a there is a trailer though. Okay, I'm gonna need to because uh, it. it's called like Archer 1999. 1999. Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm with a lot of people. I'm very torn in that I want them to keep that. I want them to keep that classic Archer yeah. title sequence. Yeah. But at the same time, I really want to be like, I want to be, I well, Buck Rogers since, of the 25th century. Yeah. I really want to be that too. Ever since it, um, ever since they did Archer Vice, I think that was season five or six. I mean, I, I have always trusted them to play with the rules a little bit. Yeah. In Dreamland, for me, I didn't love that season because it plays with oh, them I too much. It. It's it's I, it's no longer Dreamland allowed characters to step out of their traditional roles, and that's why I didn't love it. I mean, you we saw that happen a little bit throughout the series, but, but you but, like Cyril Figgis because he's a fucking punching bag. But at the same time, though, it's not because. Mm-hmm. It's taking, because it's all happening inside Archer's head, a lot of these characters are the, how he views these people, how he views these people kind of turned up, you know, turned up a notch. Gotcha. So that's how you end up, you know, that's how you end, you know, there's always the jokes about Lana's man hands. (laughs) Now you've got her as a treasury agent specific almost entirely just so you can have the transvestite jokes. Gotcha. Um, you know, he always views Cyril Figgis as this worm who's always trying to like sneak in and, and get what he wants. He kind yeah. of views him as that, especially with with Lana. Now he's viewing him as this dirty cop, like somebody who's playing by the rules, except he's trying to get what he wants. Yeah. You know, Dreamland has been, you know, so far my least favorite season. Um, I'm excited to see Danger Island, and I'm even more so excited to see 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a show that I really can't even pick a favorite season from. Like, it is good from the start, but I mean, once they hit season three, my, they hit a stride until season eight. My like, favorite might be season four, mm-hmm. if for nothing like. 
I don't know. There are a lot of episodes specific to that one that I really enjoy. I mean, but... the cancer episode is the best episode ever. Oh, my God. The Rampage, when he is interrogating the Irish mob, Family Feud style. style. Oh, it's brilliant. That's actually... And Let that's me the see cock-flavored spit. And that's the thing, is that it's actually brilliantly written. Yeah. It's not it's... even the... It's like... It's, it's some of the best written comedy yeah. in the past... 10 20 years Absolutely. on television um and if you anyone who enjoys the show you have to watch um frisky dingo frisky dingo yes uh his previous uh the creator his previous show which was a send-off of superheroes before superheroes were a, as big a thing as they were it was two seasons on comedy Cent or non-comedy central on um, adult swim, adult swim. On Cartoon Network. Um, each episode's like 11, 12 minutes. So it's a really... Literally, it's an afternoon. Gotcha. You're, you're just giving up an afternoon to watch these two seasons of the show. That's incredibly weird. Um, I think the Amber Nash who voices Pam on Archer is the only voice besides Adam Reed's that's in both. Gotcha. Um, because at the time he still was a relative unknown and he was, I mean, the, the animation, watching the animation evolve from the first season of Frisky Dingo to the ninth and coming up 10th season of Archer, watching the evolution of Adam Reeves and Adam Reed's animation style. It's pretty phenomenal to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Even from season one of Archer until what is current day. I mean, it's. It's kind of night and day, but he's always had that style and aesthetic. Even if you just get like that episode, that pilot episode, and then fast forward just a few years to the second episode of season five, where you get that that three D shot of them driving down Miami. Like even then, you're seeing like this evolution in what he can do. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Well, him and the animated, like not just him personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen Archer. Obviously, go and watch it. I've already convinced one of my uh, staff members in Bridgeville, um, a young, impressionable 15-year-old kid, to start watching Archer, and he's already at the end of season three, so I'm Excellent very project. proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last thing I want to talk about is Mission Impossible 3. Um, like I mentioned last week, the content creators I like, uh, kind of funny, they're doing a Mission Impossible in review, and they're on um, Mission Impossible 3 now. I watched it the other night. I really appreciate Mission Impossible 3 for introducing Simon Pegg to the franchise. Yep. I appreciate it for a lot of other things too. Um, but it it suffers the way Emma, you know, Mission Impossible 2 does. The Mission Impossible 2 feels like a late 90s, early 2000 film mm-hmm. and Mission Impossible 3 feels like an late 2000s film it doesn't feel like a mission impossible film necessarily yet it feels like the prototype for that um but it feels a lot like born identity or born supremacy or or batman begins or casino royale which are are movies that came out all within a similar sort of time and all have the like color temperature turned up way too way too loud so skin tones look fucking weird and all the blues and blacks and cool colors look exactly like everything's made to look extra sharp and crisp. Yeah. Which, which is a it was also in part because Blu-ray was becoming a big thing. Yeah, and so there was you know lots of 
excitement over that. Well, it's kind of a style that got, you know, um, perfected, necessary, or solidified in The Dark Knight. Like, when I look at Mission Impossible 2, there are scenes when he does the jump from one building to the other that looks like the jump in Dark Knight, where he has to get on the plane and go over to um, to Japan or wherever it was. Mm. Um, but I really enjoyed Mission Impossible 3. Um, there are times where you can kind of replace Ethan and Ju- uh, Julia's dialogue with, like, Rachel and Bruce Wayne's from Batman Begins. Um but it's it's starting to solidify into what Mission Impossible became, which is we have these huge action action set pieces where Tom Cruise is doing practical stunts, and we have a cast that just oozes charisma, mm-hmm. who is so charismatic and so in tune with each other. They have so much chemistry with each other, and that's that's something that I'm really excited to watch Ghost Protocol because of. Because they perfect that, and it just continues going forward into Rogue Nation and then Fallout. See, I think I every every strength that's in Mission Impossible Three and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, every strength I attribute to Tom Hanks and anyone else involved that's basically producing and truly running the show. All the faults. For the third one, especially, I pin on J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Because to me, it is the one where... The second and third movie, Ethan Hunt is a blank canvas of a character. He's he's not a character. He's not really anything. Like, in the, in the th- second and third one, nobody's really a character. Yeah. Um... There's not really the plot the the partial plot that's in the third one to me is the most forgettable plot of every Mission Impossible movie. Well yeah, that's what they um, wanted it to be. The the you don't even you don't realize the, what the rabbit's foot is. It's a MacGuffin. It's But the, the that's the thing that was like I literally don't remember. I remember that I, I remember that Felicity dies. <laughs> yeah. I remember that she dies. That's the only thing about the plot I can tell you. Well, that's... Mission Impossible has become so pulp where I don't ever expect Benji or Luther or Ethan to die because it is a pulp film. It's it's an Indiana Jones at this point where the characters are having too much fun. In that one, they hold on Carrie... Carrie... Uh, Russell. Carrie Russell's face for so long when it's her eyes are going in two different directions and it's fucking unsettling mm-hmm. and that's not something that would happen in the th- most the three most recent mission impossible films well the third i mean the third ones the third ones what happens when you get somebody who doesn't make plots he creates he just writes a movie where everyone is holding holding out the plot and development mm-hmm so, I mean, that's like, I mean, Star Wars Episode Seven is nothing but setup yeah. for for reveals that J.J. Abrams is really proud of setting up. Um, <laughs> there's no plot in that movie except yeah. for what they just took from A New Hope. But 
Mission Impossible 3 struggles to have a plot because he's not used to putting a plot in. He's not used to having to wrap everything up in one movie. And so, and literally, I think that's why at one point he's just like, uh, f- uh, he gets hit by a car. <laughs> like The movie at one point just gives up and ends. Yeah. Like the movie literally at one point just get, is just like, you know what, we're shit. It's... You know, it's late. I, I, it's late. I gotta get home. I, shit, I gotta feed my fish. He gets hit by a car. Everyone's happy at the end. Um, The last 30 minutes wrap up in, just so quickly. It's, it's all just really slow. And the other thing, and it was during his, like, it was, it was back when nobody would tell J.J. Abrams no. Mm -hmm. And the way that we saw that the worst was his lens flares. Yeah. Um, nothing will ever beat Super 8, though. Super 8, where he managed to have a lens flare inside of a fucking cave. <laughs> They're in a dark cave, and there was a lens flare, and I was watching it in theaters, and I got so fucking pissed. But anyway. Um, but the So the third one, to me, is just kind of... It's somebody who can't write... Mm-hmm. That way, trying to make the movie, clearly not getting enough help from other people. Yeah. Ghost Protocol is literally Mission Impossible getting dangerously close to becoming the current state of Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. Where everything is so cartoony and so outlandish. That there's no stakes whatsoever in that movie. Yeah. Because after, you know, after you watch a nuclear, I don't remember if it was nuclear or not, but a gigantic explosion happening like two much, like four blocks away from Ethan Hunt and slamming him, slamming him into a car to the point where he like dents in the door. Yeah. Like a permanent dent. (laughs) Um, and he just gets up and keeps running. At that point, you're just like, okay, I'm never going to worry about anything happening at this point unless it's necessary for the plot to yeah. happen. Um, well, they do they do raise the stakes in um, uh, Rogue Nation and in Fallout. Well, um, Rogue Nation and Fallout, that was when, you know... I mean, that's Tom Christopher McQuarrie. Tom Cruise worked with him on Edge of Tomorrow... Realized that he had the guy who could figure out how to make Mission Impossible work. Yeah. Brought him in. And as a result, they've made the only two Mission Impossible movies that, in my opinion, are as good as the original one. Mm-hmm. The original is still the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we beg to differ on that one. It's fun. It's, it is fun. It's fun. It is not as fun as... Uh, or Rogue Nation. But it's not trying to be... It's not trying to be, like, a fun romp. It was during a time where... Where the those kinds of movies were were trying to be serious. Yeah. And that's not the the fault of Mission Impossible 1, but I feel like... It's the, not what you are looking for it, anymore. Yes. It's... For me, the, the three most recent Mission Impossible films are what Mission Impossible is and should have always been, and it's... They're not messing with the formula anymore. They're not. Mission Impossible One is a good film, but if you did not have 
the cast that you had, it would not be as memorable as it is. Potentially. Yeah. Very potentially. It, I, it, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure who else you would cast as Ethan Hunt. So I can't say for sure that it's because of the star power of Tom Cruise that that movie works so well. Yeah. Because... The only like the only other two names that you really know are John Voight and Emilio Estevez, yeah. and, and one of them are dead within the first fifteen minutes, which is brilliant. <laughs> yes, I love that they do yes. that. Um, but I, that, I, I that think part not also only, freaked me. Not out only Tom kid. Cruise. If you didn't have John Voight in that film, it wouldn't be as successful or or maybe as memorable <laughs> as it um, as I, it was. I think you're overselling John Voight's. Um, I mean, trust me, that's... commercial draw. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I went to go see a movie and thought, well, John Voight's in it. Fuck, give me my ticket. Oh, I think that movie was Holes. But no one realized how good he'd be until, until we saw him in there. Okay, I'm going to stab you with this pen. Keep your hands still. <laughs> oh, come on. He's great in Holes. Anyway. With that being said, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's all we have to say for everything we've been watching and pretty much doing not. this week. Um, just want to make sure everyone does know we are on Facebook we are on Twitter um, just look for movies after work and you can find us, track us down follow us, like us um, say things that are only moderately hurtful um, just moderately you yeah, know we could take it um, hey I drive to work and intersections are specifically for crying so give me something Give me something good for there. I don't care. Uh, you can also, you know, while you're there, make any, you know, if you if you have an answer to something that we complain about with a movie, feel free to, to point it out to us. If you have a suggestion for a movie, go ahead and, and uh, suggest it. We can't always promise that we're going to get to all these movies because obviously they have to be accessible yeah. um, to a certain degree. Um, we can't really be spending a fortune buying or renting movies all the time yeah as much as we may want to um and then we also have an email account for doing the same movies after work at gmail.com you can always uh, shoot us an email on there again if you want to point something out to us or recommend a movie for us to to give a to give a watch and and talk about and you know we will uh we will keep an eye, you know, we keep an eye on those and, uh, you know, we're going to try to start letting people get a little bit more, you know, like yeah, mentioning, wanna... start mentioning on there, like what the movies are going to be. If we have trailers that we know we're going to talk about, we're going to start posting them on our social media accounts. Yeah. So that way, you know, if you're someone who, who listens to this and God bless you for doing that. Um, if you find yourself wanting to, watch the same trailers that we're going to talk about, watch the movie that we're going to talk about before we talk about it. Uh, you have the ability to do that. So that way this can be a little more understandable. Yeah. yeah. I guess we want to, uh, like we had this week, we want to have, you know, the movie for next week prepared, um, ideally, but we also want your feedback and your, um, involvement. So if you do have a movie for us to watch, please recommend it. Um, hopefully something good. And, um, or at least entertainingly bad. <laughs> um, I think Little Monsters falls into that not category. terminal. Nothing like no, terminal. Not terminal. Nothing like terminal. 
Don't be mean. <laughs> Don't be shitty. But with that all being said, I think uh, that wraps this week up. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna go. It's uh, it's close to midnight, which means it's almost my dinner time, and then <laughs> I'm gonna pretend I can get some sleep. Yeah, I think you're gonna do the same. Absolutely. All right. So uh, this is Thomas Green. And this is Alex Diaz. You guys uh, have a good night and enjoy your movies. Thank you. Bye bye.